0: Hi, and welcome to Grant Risk and Regulation and Rutherford Podcasts, our first edition of 2023, so I hope you all had a great Christmas break. Happy New Year. Um, this is the podcast where we take a look at financial services regulation in the UK, so what are the big developments? What are some of the smaller developments? We look at the news and give our views on the implications of what we're seeing. Uh, my name is David Murray. I'm joined uh, for the first time by my new co-host, Ben Farmer. Say hello, Ben. Hello. Um, so let's uh, kick off with a look at the biggest um, news, I, I, I think, uh, over the last month or so. So when uh, when this podcast was recorded in December, it was the day uh, that the Edinburgh reforms were being announced um, in a speech in Edinburgh. There's a clue in the name, I guess. Um, and uh, I, 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 a fresh new vision was Being presented, so um, we didn't have much to say about this uh, at, at the time given it was happening on the same day we we're recording, but uh, we've had a month to to mull this over. Um, are you excited, Ben? D- d- delivering an agile and homegrown regulatory regime that works in the interests of British people and our businesses, gotta be uh, exciting. It, well,
1: it, if, it, if it does what they want it to, it will be exciting, won't it? But uh, I don't so. Know.
0: So yes, it it, it claims to focus on delivering reforms to areas which will provide the most significant boost to UK growth and competitiveness, and that's worth saying because there's clearly a a, a strong underpinning of of, um, competitiveness and the competition agenda um, that um, has cropped up, you know, in discussion quite a few times uh, over the last year with the future regulatory framework. Um, I I suppose with with anything like that, you know, there's a bit of a what will actually happen in practice dimension and, and, in, and in that sense it's probably worth running through some of the detail on the Edinburgh reforms that we have to date so, so it was announced as a package of 30 regulatory uh, over 30 regulatory reforms um, but we've only got information on 13 of the 30 um, so uh, the speech was supported by a number of position papers on, on those 13 initiatives. although so, uh, so as we were saying, in, in typical government fashion, some of those uh, some of those initiatives were would been announced previously as well. So there's an element of, of repeating some things.
1: Um, yeah, I think that's probably why I was slightly uh, hesitant in my enthusiasm there, if I'm honest, is there's there's a lot of stuff here that's not actually new. There's a lot that's not here yet. And. Some of the things being launched are quite big, but a lot of them are, have got a big headline, and you read the detail, and it's tinkering around the edges more than a fundamental reform. I think the uh, the government want this to be a big moment, and they've packaged it all up and flown all the way up to Edinburgh to announce it. Yeah. And But I, I don't know. Is is it as big as they're making out it is? I'm not convinced all of it is.
0: Yeah, over 30 reforms, that sounds quite grand, but uh, of the 13, we know about six of them I think uh looking at the list there look pretty minimal uh uh changes to the PRIPS retail disclosures regime, which as you say w- was one of the things we, we knew was coming anyway. Um minor changes to disclosure regime for payment service providers, uh re-looking at the short selling rules, which uh but but it, it sounds in a in a fairly uh, negligible way, um tweaks to some building society funding rules. Um yes i mean the, the, these these are things that, are, that, that on the face of it won't or shouldn't make a significant difference outside of some fairly narrow areas of uh, of, of activity but there were a couple oh, i guess there are a couple of bigger things though aren't there? you 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 effort so there's, there's a couple of big things one of them one of them i suppose is is ring fencing so so what what's, what's the proposal there
1: um yeah so the cliche goes all history is cyclical as a history graduate i like that it makes me feel relevant um i'm sure it's meant to take a bit longer than sort of 10 15 years to come round again though isn't it because it wasn't that long ago in the grand scheme we had a very large financial crisis caused at least in part by certain banks not keeping their investment management and their retail operations suitably clear of one another and that made everyone angry and then we learned that the rules in place at the time weren't going to actually allow any action against individual senior managers and that made people very angry and then there were bankers bonuses and that made people even more angry and now we've got not that long later we're looking at ring fencing again there's rumors we're going to start looking at the senior managers regime again and we've got bonus caps potentially going away as well so interesting times but yes taking taking the first one first so the ring fencing so obviously we've previously had the Skiok review of the ring fencing regime and the government has now published its response to that review, which isn't particularly heavy on details at this stage. It basically says that the government will consult on changes in the middle of this year, but it does say that it will be following the Skiok review recommendations. Uh, so it'll be doing things like taking banks that only have a small investment management trading book out of the ring fencing regime it'll be making it geographically more specific so that for example just because your bank's established in the UK your UK activities will still be subject to ring fencing but things you do outside the UK and jurisdictions where there is not a equivalent ring fencing regime might not be captured by it so that obviously helps with the international competitiveness angle making sure that uk rules are not strangling international operations uh, they'll be adding some additional permitted risk taking to the activities that ring fence banks are allowed to undertake so for example inflation swaps to facilitate project finance or they'll be allowing them to hedge mortality risks so that they can consider underwriting lifetime mortgages um, and then although the skill review, i don't think made any specific recommendations on the financial threshold, they're also going to be raising the threshold from 25 billion pounds worth of retail deposits required to bring you within scope of the regime up to 35 billion pounds. As I said, I don't think that's a specific response to Skioc. I think that's just because whilst they're looking at this, the Treasury realised that that threshold hasn't been looked at for 10 years and as we particularly know, after the last year we've had, uh, twenty five billion pounds doesn't go as far as it once did. It.
0: No, it's. it's I'm, I'm old enough to remember when twenty five billion was was a decent amount of money, but now it's it's not the same anymore. Uh, yes, uh, I mean there's there's a, there's a lot of a lot of this discussion I, 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 if, from the government and the PIA and the Bank of England. PRA is, is is couched around. You know, this is a proportionate uh, treatment, and the the the, the risks. Uh, uh, merit, um, you know, merit this kind of response. I know the, you mentioned the bonus cap uh, falling by the wayside. The bonus cap, for anyone who doesn't know, for, for the for the banks and large investment firms, uh, the, um, the the requirement that variable pay could not be more than two hundred percent. i.e. double fixed pay? Um, and that's uh, the proposal now, and there, there was a consultation on this one. So, so the specific rule consultation is, is is essentially to strike out that requirement, uh, that limitation. So, um, uh, and and then that and that, that culture consultation justifies justifies itself very much on the grounds that, well, actually, the bonus gap didn't really make any difference in terms of risk taking um it points, point, there's a there's a there's a as, as an evidence paper that sits behind that 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 uh that essentially uh, everyone's fixed salary just rose um and there's no necessarily not, not strong evidence that it that reduced risk taking etc etc so 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 it's probably it's probably worth saying both i think both with ring fencing and with and with the bonus cap um the argument appears to be we're not we're not changing our attitude as regulators to risk taking it's just we don't think these have particularly these particular measures are particularly done what they said in the tin. In terms oh, of the
1: no because again in fairness actually on the on the ring fencing point as well that's something that features heavily in the ski oak review isn't it that although the idea of too big to fail now has come under rather better control actually it the ski review credits a lot of that to the resolutions regime rather than the ring fencing arrangements doesn't it.
0: Yeah so so uh, so we're not uh we're, the regulators at least are not um are not doing anything explicitly to suggest that that standards are regulatory standards are, are, are being are being reduced um actually there was a, a, a ben you i know you were taking a look at the fca board minutes weren't you and they were they were they were talking about the care competitiveness uh, objective or the secondary objective for competitiveness that's being introduced by the new the new uh, uh, financial services and markets bill
1: what did they yes. say so they were talking about uh, something that I know you and Gavin have both spoken about before that is a secondary objective, actually an objective because the. Interestingly, the board were quite openly in their discussion of how they might implement this, how they might train FCA staff when it were saying all the communications need to make sure we make the hierarchy clear of the difference between an objective and a secondary objective. Um, so we, it's fairly clear from the way the board, the FCA are looking at it, they are very much saying, well, this is secondary to our other objectives. A key driver of competitiveness is strong standards. So that would seem to suggest don't expect too much in the way of change. I don't think the FCA is feeling in the mood to suddenly have a huge bonfire of handbook rules just to demonstrate that it's doing something about this objective. I did feel they were getting their excuses in early a little bit as well, because the the board minutes did make a point of saying that, it was recognised that there was also a series of global factors and wider domestic policies which affect growth and competitiveness and it would therefore need to be clearly explained what is within the fca control under this secondary objective and where the fca contributes so i feel like they're, they're kind of already laying the ground floor but if the uk economy does shrink next year don't blame us yes i'm sure that's uh, well uh they probably have a point uh, to be fair, uh, but yes, it,
0: yes, it is the, the limits to what to what they could do. I, I suppose it's um, uh, yeah, you know, all consistent with um, the sense we've had for some time that the expect the, 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 the focus on high international standards as being the underpin to, to to the UK being a competitive location for financial services. That 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 point of emphasis exists and will continue and. Um, the, we're not going to get a bonfire of the regulations. um uh, and I don't think the Edinburgh speech, the Edinburgh reforms um will you know some change that, um change that fact. Now what we will get, of course, is changes to regulation. um quite a lot based on the Edinburgh reform speech, but a lot will be quite technical in nature from a detail point of view we mentioned. um some will be more significant. Like ring fencing changes. Uh, actually, one of the other big significant, most of the other significant ones um, is uh, again, this is not news. It's just it was just included again in the Edinburgh reforms. The intention that the Consumer Credit Act will be um, transitioned over to the uh, the yeah what well, will be the FCA handbook. So so what 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 is statute will become rules and and uh, um, the paper that was shared uh, along with the Edinburgh reform speech on that did make it clear that, uh, that it was not intended to be a transposition, that um, whilst similar outcomes should be sought, you know, these would be a fresh set of rules <laughs> that, that they needed to incorporate, you know, helping to helping to facilitate net zero uh, amongst other things. Um, so so there, in some respects, there'll be broader rules, I would imagine. Um, but, you know, for anyone in the consumer credit industry, there's this clearly going to be Regulatory change inherent on 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 that transposition process because uh, the rules will not be exactly the same as the statutes and um, and and thus the Edinburgh reforms in that case and in others are going to mean more work firms adjusting to to new sets of rules. Okay, well, watch this space. This won't be the last time we talk about uh, the Edinburgh reforms. Um, as I say, we've only we've only had line of sight on thirteen out of. Uh, over 30 um specific reform areas and we will uh, inevitably need to talk again uh, as we get more information um uh that's the headline area we wanted to touch on particularly as 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 as, as the timing of the that those announcements meant that we didn't really cover them in our last podcast the, the, if we think about other news though there is quite a lot of other news um to to touch on isn't it Ben it's been a busy old, period both the run up to Christmas and even just
1: just after Christmas so yes yes so FCA like the rest of us has been rushing to finish things before Christmas uh, I think and then not quite finishing all of it and rushing it out in early January instead yeah that's how I manage my life at all
0: should we break off some of their 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 Christmas presents so uh, they put a consumer duty web page up which I know you were looking at
1: yes so the the web page itself has been up for quite a while now I think but they are sort of making incremental updates to it every now and again. Uh, the latest one they've made is to add some further detail about how the consumer duty is going to factor into the authorizations process going forward, because obviously that process is meant to be forward-looking because it wouldn't be terribly helpful if it did anything else. <laughs>
0: yes.
1: Um, so from February this year onwards, firms who are either applying for permission for the first time or applying for a relevant variation of their existing permissions, Uh, as part of their application, will be expected to prove that they are set up to comply with the consumer duty, which means the SCA is going to be asking you to share things like your framework for assessing fair value, your plans for monitoring retail customer outcomes, uh, the arrangements that you'll have in place with other firms in your distribution chain to meet the relevant requirements for information sharing and oversight up and down that chain, And so the FCA has given a heads up that you can help your application progress quickly if you prepare these supporting materials in advance and submit them along with your application. Uh, And existing firms looking to vary that permissions obviously should have provided a board implement or should have created a board implementation plan by the 31st of October last year. So if you're an existing firm submitting a variation of application, uh, expect to be asked for your board implementation plan by your case officer.
0: That's really interesting, is it? I mean, it, 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 it's obviously going to, you know, add add an extra chunk of work to anyone's anyone's authorization apl- application, albeit you know very relevant because you know, consumer duty will 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 be enforced. But it, but it, I, I guess it just it just states what should be obvious, although I hadn't really thought of it in these terms. Um, that um, you know, moving forward, most interactions you have with the FCA are going to go through a consumer duty lens. So authorizations. Yeah, you, you can you can tick all the other boxes, but you absolutely need to show that you are, um, you know, in the in the right place in terms of consumer duty compliance, or, or else you're not getting over the line. Um, and I guess this is just this is just reinforcing that. Um, what else did we see? Well, oh yeah, so yeah, the FCA issued a um, um a diversity and inclusion review that they that produced, so that they 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 produced the output. It, it was basically a yes multi-firm thematic I guess uh would be the way to describe it 12 12 mostly larger firms they went to so they looked at the the d uh approaches those organizations were were, were undertaking um, um and it's quite interesting read I mean it's, it's relevant because you know one of the commitments the FCA had previously made is before the end of 2023 to produce draft rules on dni for regulated firms um it's a, a consultation paper at, at some point so this is the I guess precursor f- for that i think the think it, it snippets of, of interest from the review uh, that they produced and there's quite a bit of interest was that they kind of they um I, yeah there's a i think there's a flavor the the they the, they were concerned that some organizations were treating it as it's a bit of a numbers game and you know success or failure is determined by uh, you know what what level of representation you get at, at particular grades, etc. And 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 the FCA were uh, looking for more of a, but more uh, a, 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 in addition to that, and an, a, a focus on culture and and um, uh, you know creating a an a inclusive and diverse culture. Um, yeah,
1: the FCA's view, isn't it, is if you more diverse firms tend to have better cultures, and obviously, as we all know, firms with better cultures. Have you choose to define that? Uh, deliver better customer outcomes. I don't, don't think the SEA feels firms are quite embracing that spirit as widely as they'd like to see so far, do they? Um well you mentioned customers,
0: they also they also they also said firms were not necessarily mm. explicitly considering the diversity requirements of, of their customer base. I think different ways of taking that, but but uh, yeah, did do, do you think about the the D of, of, of your customers? Um they felt there was a too much of a fo- well, disproportionate focus on achieving di- di- diversity within the senior management team if you like they're going back to that numbers game you know we'll get that done and job uh, job done <laughs> as it were uh, whereas the fca uh, and i think this is this is this is a fair, fair comment you know it, it's it's about it's about the pipeline it's about um um you know having a good representation throughout throughout all the levels of the organization all the relevant levels of the organization so so, thinking it more a uh, uh, more of a broader on a broader basis than just around the senior senior management team. Um, so, so there's, there's, there's interesting content. I mean, in terms of the sense of what the FCA is thinking is how it's developing and what what therefore the the, the rules that they consult on might might look like. Um, I suppose one point of interest on this I thought was the, they they say in their in a thematic write up in in this paper that they issued feedback letters to to firms. Um, I haven't seen one of those feedback letters, so I don't know whether they were kind of requiring changes or not, but, it, but it, I don't know, It was interesting given, um, you know, there aren't any actual rules <laughs> at the moment in this space. So it just seems like an odd, it seemed a bit odd to
1: me that the, the regulator might be providing formal feedback. on. Yeah, on something I'd, be, that... I'd be very interested to see what's in those letters for, for exactly that reason. Well, it if seems there's there's they would be sneakily that... previewing the rules to anybody and going, by the way, we're about to make you do this. Yeah. So.
0: That's a good point well
1: if any listeners happen to have uh one of those letters
0: uh on hand then we would be delighted to, to have a look um what else has gone oh yeah so we, we've uh consultation paper 23-1 one, one, the first it's always good to to see what the first consultation
1: of any year is and and for the
0: fca it's 23-1 what's about what's that
1: about ben so 23-1 is protections for insurance customers in financial difficulty um if if deregulation and not creating loads of additional new rules is meant to be the flavour of the month, then uh, maybe the FCA didn't quite get that memo because this is effectively a consultation on taking the non-handbook guidance that was issued during the pandemic, specifically for assisting customers who might have been in temporary financial difficulty as a direct result of the economic impact of the COVID pandemic. Uh, So the FCA is now looking at taking those rules, widening their scope slightly and incorporating them into ICOBS as a new chapter Uh, and a whole new chapter, which I'm not entirely convinced will really require firms to do much that the consumer duty probably wouldn't require them to do anyway. But it is it is a chapter of guidance rather than rules. In fairness, the draft handbook text is all marked G rather than R. Uh, So it covers things like uh, Considering proactive customer contact in cases where a firm has a reason to suspect the customer might be financially vulnerable. So, for example, if they've missed some payments. uh, Trying to avoid just cancelling insurance policies where customers have missed some of their monthly payments. So instead of doing that, you can look at things like reassessing the customer's risk profile, which might lower their premium, or offering them different or cheaper products or changing cover levels to reduce their premiums. And offering forbearance and waiving cancellation fees. And there's also some guidance around uh, the fact that in firms sort of general customer communications, so your websites and your standard form letters and things like that, making sure you say to customers and make it clear, here's how to contact us. You can contact us and ask for help if you're having financial problems. Um, interestingly, the bit that was in the COVID guidance that is not in the newly consulted on rules, What well, sorry, newly consulted on guidance. Uh, was there was some premium finance specific elements, uh, which this CP says will be consulted on separately later in the year. Um, but the, the guidance that is in CP23.1 that the FCA is now consulting on would come into effect immediately following the consumer duty. So, whereas the preamble to the original uh, non-Handbook guidance says, you know, here is guidance on how to with your obligations under principle six and seven and the customer's best interest rule now it's all about here's how to deal with your obligations under principle 12.
0: 12 yes consumer duty that's interesting okay yes yeah I mean you know one of the one of the things in the the, the 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 last year from a podcast discussion point of view was you know what might we expect uh given the cost of living crisis and inflation and uh, other challenges, you know, what might we expect, or you know, even even was 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 the FCA moving particularly fast in re- in response to and and, and taking taking action, and, and I guess this this falls squarely to that. I mean, it's it's it sounds from what you're saying, it's it's quite a, it's a quite a, uh, a rehash, but a, but a, re- a replication of of you know some of the measures that applied during the COVID um, COVID years. Uh, but you know now they're written from a sort of uh uh f- from, from the lens or the expectation that there's going to be customers that more customers in financial difficulty because of the cost of living crisis
1: so, so this a response to that yeah um, i think so one clearly th- this is obviously going into icops so this is for the insurance sector it would seem to me a reasonably good bet that to the extent other sectors had similar guidance during yes. the pandemic presumably that's going to get similar treatment in the near future
0: Exactly why I was wondering because, essentially, the, the 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 temporary guidance for insurers was was only one of several sectors that had temporary guidance. So uh, whether that becomes permanent handbook guidance, anyone anyone that's listening uh, will know, will at home will, will know I'm doing those air quotes around the guidance. You know, when it's in the SCA handbook guidance, it's it's uh, it's pretty much a rule. Um, so I don't know whether that some of the other temporary guidance will. Uh, for other sectors will find its way in, it, it might seem like, as you say, Ben, a good bet at this point. Um, uh, actually, yeah, we talked about it, it, you know, what the FCA has done around the cost of living crisis. There was a uh, a, a bit of a segue into um, uh, the press release they pushed out uh, this year, <laughs> recently. Um, are there 2022 highlights? Um, so, so this was, uh, this was the FCA, um, and it's up on their website talking about its achievements in in 2022, and you know it's kind of a, 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 a variety of things they think uh, uh, are positive reflections of, of their impact. So, um, you know, so, some of the steps they take to get customers compensation, such as the British Steel Pension Scheme Pension Transfer um issues and and getting getting lenders to be kinder to customers uh where they haven't been treating them very well uh obviously consumer duty as, as, a, as a set of rules um uh, is one of the um achievements they've, they've chosen to to highlight i don't know ben was there anything uh, anything in that in the list that you thought was uh, particularly comment worthy
1: I think the thing that I found most interesting in this was around the data they provided about authorizations. So obviously in their last business plan, the FCA had set itself a kind of objective as using the authorizations process as more of a gateway and rather than letting firms in and then deal with their misconduct later, instead looking at the view of trying to kind of keep the bad actors out of the UK market completely. And there are signs of some progress towards that here. So in 2020 to 21, uh, only one in 14 applications to enter the UK market were declined, whereas nice. in 2021 to 22, that went all the way up to one in five. So actually, that is quite a significant that is, shift. That is,
0: uh, so a
1: the 20% failure fail yes. at this point,
0: yeah,
1: okay. Uh, and they've added 133 new FCA colleagues to this area to support that over the course of 2022. Uh, which has apparently reduced the number of applications in the system by 50% since last December, Uh, which is interesting because there's been, I think, uh, a lot of noise over the last year or so about the length of time it's taking to process things like new applications and variations and changing controls and so on. And we're talking earlier about how they're adding some consumer duty extra work to this process now. Uh, so, So more people, definitely useful. And if in doubt, just kick one in five applications out to trim your workload.
0: Yeah, I'll be. i mean, it's say, uh, Yeah, I mean, obviously, when
1: you say down fifty percent from
0: last December—that's December four, that's December, that's December twenty-one to December twenty-twenty-two. The, the the backlog, if you like, the yep. number of applications in the system was 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 halved. Uh, and I, no, I suppose actually, I I, I I don't know whether you know listeners would agree with this, but I do I do sense um, a speeding up of. Interactions with authorisations and, and and processing times. Maybe I uh, think uh, 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 touching wood and make sure. Um, you know, there's there's still more more to do there, but I do think things have probably improved on, on where they were maybe at the midpoint of last year. Um, and in fact, in fact, I guess one of the other things, one of the things that the the FCA highlights um, talk to generally is that they've added a lot of staff. They talk about a thousand extra staff. Um, albeit we you know there's been a lot of turnover, so uh, so that's, that's not that's that's uh,
1: that's the gross figure rather than that. Um, they did. Okay. They also were very keen to mention that a lot of those stuff yeah. have been added outside of London, so doing their bit to help support the government's um, leveling up agenda and have you know at least some of the government agencies not just wholly exist in London. Albeit, uh, uh, given how many of the F- the firms the FCA regulates are in London, I can see why it makes sense for some of them to be there. Yeah. Uh, see, last night at Mansion House, the Lord Mayor of London was perhaps pushing back a little about this. He gave a speech at the London London government dinner uh, where he said London is being wrongly portrayed as a villain damaging the economic progress of the rest of the UK and is being seen as the evil fairy godmother, which was a line I quite liked.
0: That was, that was, that was yes, uh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, well, he kind of has, he's the Lord Mayor of London, he kind of has to say that. Uh, yeah, but yes, <laughs> Um yeah, well, you talked earlier about you know things ebb and flow, but yeah, clearly, and and uh, I think again, I've been around long enough to to have seen sort of uh, you know get, get move things out of London as a as an initiative, um, and that comes around and goes around. But yeah, clearly, clearly, you know, the FCA have committed to build up Leeds and other places in terms of uh, in terms of sort of permanent presence. So so we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, we'll See whether the Lord Mayor of London is uh, is. Uh, is left with nobody to talk to. Um, I think the, the la- uh, last item really in terms of f- things coming out of the regulator. Uh, uh, well, one actually well, there's been quite a lot of fines. We will talk about the fines in a minute, but 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 before we get to the fines, that it, it, it's worth saying. I think the uh, we're seeing a number of portfolio letters coming out now, so they're starting to, to, to drip out to different sectors. So yeah, PRA sent ones to bank banks and insurers. The fca have sent ones to wholesale investment brokers if they want to just to this um you know, claims management companies cmc so 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 and there'll be others so um certainly for the ones i've seen no big surprises i, I think actually looking back a year i, I think they may maybe they're more focused um on on the on the most important issues uh and then, so these are super busy priorities uh so they're, they're pretty focused and a year ago they were beginning to in turn into somewhat you know, long lists of of of, of, of things, um, uh, and now they they seem a bit more focused, which I think is a is a good sign. The, the the longest one I've seen, in terms of the number of items that the uh, regulators are concerned about, is the one to the CMCs, uh, which I think is probably reflected the fact that that sector has not been regulated for long, and that um, perhaps business practices are not. Um, at, at a state level of maturity that the, the regulator is comfortable with, so so that's probably the longest, uh, hardest hitting letter I've seen so far. Um,
1: Ooh, yeah, definitely, definitely the spiciest of them, isn't it? The the others are all, as you say, pretty much what you'd expect. But the, to be fair, the place management's letter is, it's not, it's not super scary, is it? But it, there are a few things in there that, as you say, allude to the fact that this is a newly regulated. Sector and perhaps has not historically had the regulatory compliance culture that some of the other firms the FCA is more used to dealing with might have.
0: Yeah, well, and and and, and in the preamble it does it does reference that you know I think it's thirty percent of the firms in the sector have decided not to be authorised or left the, left the industry. So, so uh, so yeah, it's um, it's like dear survivors. Here yes. is uh, here is our list of priorities. Um
1: Yeah, I think something very similar happened when they took on funeral plans last year, didn't it? I seem to recall
0: and and payday lenders before that yeah Now this we're in uh, we're in familiar territory yeah the, okay Um uh, we're gonna we're gonna finish with a with a with a, with a, a wrap-up of um uh fines uh it's like the christmas stuffing element of uh of the of the podcast uh and and i mean if you like if you like hearing about fines other people's fines preferably uh you should stay s- stay tuned for a bit because there's been quite a few um uh, where to start? Okay, well, well, as we go with some of the bigger, the bigger ones financially speaking, and i will uh, run through what they are, and maybe, maybe Ben, you can chip in with with sort of anything that particularly grabbed you about, um, you know, how the how the regulators were were focusing their their comments, what they seem to be most agitated by. So, TSB Bank has been fined. Well, it's a combined FCA, one of these combined FCA PRA enforcement actions. So it's a, it's a joint fine, totals thirty nine million, I think. And relates to the headline is operational resilience. So it relates to twenty eighteen, um, and I think I, I kind of remember this happening and being reported in the press at the time. But but the um, they were they were undertaking a big systems migration exercise and it didn't go well and there was a big outage and people couldn't access payment services etc 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 and 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 the and the final notice is notice criticises um tsp for the way it planned the migration the way the way the way it over oversaw the the development of the new system lack of contingency planning if the migration went wrong so it's kind of a bit, bit of a laundry list of operational resilience failures um Everything that could go wrong, went did go wrong almost. Um, ben, have you you had a chance to look at that one?
1: Yeah, yeah, there's a few things I think worth mentioning there. Number one, uh, obviously, as you say, this is kind of quite timely. Operational resilience came up in several of those portfolio letters you were just talking about. Uh, I think this is only about the second operational resilience line we can remember seeing. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe might be a sign of a few more of those starting to yeah. come about now. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting that TSB got specifically called out for doing insufficient due diligence on one of the main outsourcers who was delivering this migration for them, uh, despite the fact that that outsourcer was another su- subsidiary of TSB's parent. So I sort of, I mm-hmm. can, whilst I can actually understand where the regulator is coming from, I can at the same time have a limited degree of sympathy from TSB for thinking, well, this is the IT arm of our own parent, mm. so we're probably not going to subject it to due diligence in the same way we would. And they did do some due diligence on them, but that probably yeah. wasn't quite to the same extent <clears throat> as you would have done if you were paying a, a third party completely unrelated yeah. to you. Yeah, to do I mean, and
0: in that sense, I mean, it's, a different, it's a different lens, isn't it, in terms of operational resilience, but, but, but yeah, in that sense, it's entirely consistent with, the way the regulators treat a third party, you know, a group company, is a third party essentially. Yeah, absolutely, separate entity. The fact they might be part of the group is 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 really neither here nor there in terms of um, what what they might expect you to do from an oversight point of view. That, that, that is that is that is a good one, isn't it? So, yeah, because you're right. It's almost a little there of, you know, in this specific, in this specific case, you you need to oversee your parent. It's like. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. It gets, who, it all who, gets quite who, messy quite quickly, doesn't it? Who, who
0: is who is the master and who is the uh, who is the child? Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, no, the other big fine, financially, the, the other fine that's in the same kind of territory, magnitude wise, was to Standard Chartered, which is forty seven million pounds. That's PRA, so it's liquidity. So the the, the uh, uh, standard liquidity returns that uh, uh, any bank needs to produce, and uh, and basically there were errors. In the US dollar reporting for the bank in 2018-19. so um, it um, uh, and 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 the fine reference specifically reference those errors. But and I know that uh, this is your view as well, Ben. Uh, the, the 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 there was a lot of time spent in the final notice on the uh, sort of principal eleven obligations and the uh, and the, the the requirement to notify the regulator of a, of a matter. Uh,
1: Yes, I think that, that the, the PA, so the the bank did find the failure itself, and then I think they didn't report it to the PRA until after they'd completed their internal investigation, which, which I can understand the desire to do that. Things, but it, yeah, it took yeah. four months, or so that the bank has uh, understandably formed the view that this was rather too long, and it's I, 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 clearly the bank's not happy with the error itself either, but reading the tone and language in the in the final notice I think I get the sense that the PRA is more unhappy about the non notice or about the late notification than it is about the uh, initial error itself
0: yeah I mean this is the time honoured um, discussion that, that we encounter on a regular basis which is the principle 11 notification uh, you know when so when do I tell the regulator about, about this and um, you know I think the answer is Almost certainly not going to be right at the end of your internal investigation process. Um, it's going to need to be before then, and uh, and I think that the the quantum of the fine here probably reflects the regulator sending that sort of a non-cooperation message um, to the market. Uh, so uh, so we got we we three of the fines uh, all uh, to other banks. Actually, I've just realised all of the. This month, with banks, um, oh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, um, yeah. Congratulations, uh, yeah. So uh, Metro Bank got fined ten million. Uh, so this is FCA breaches of its listing rules. Uh, so I mean, uh, yeah, the, 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 you know, the listing rules obviously apply to any listed entity. So so in a way, it's 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 all sort of only tangentially it's not financial services regulation in terms of financial conduct. The conduct of your of your of your financial services business, it's a, it's about, in this case, um, being uh, transparent to the market in terms of your disclosure requirements, so so that holders of shares uh, and, and the market can uh, can have an accurate picture. Um, so um, so in, so in that sense, it's it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fine that will only ever apply will only ever apply to a, to another listed. Entity, but but I guess it's worth noting because it, it does seem to be following what what is the um, like the ubiquitous ubiquitous pattern at this point, which is that um, the fir- a firm is fined and accepts the fine, pays the fine, final notice issued. But any individuals against Team Action is being taken, and in this case, the former CEO and the former CFO are both being fined a couple of hundred thousand I think each a piece, but. Or something like that so 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 so, so, so they, they on the other hand have not accepted the uh the um, the outcome and they are referring the case to the upper tribunal so it will be joining what is quite a long queue of individuals uh and i think because we looked at several last year you know i think every single every single every single case where an individual has been um t- uh, sanctioned um has referred the case to the epic tribunal. Um so uh, that's uh, a, a going to be a fairly busy, uh, a fairly busy forum, um it seems to me.
1: Um so there's a thought. if this is listing rules more than handbook breaches. yeah. do these come under the category of senior manager non-financial misconduct?
0: Uh no, I, well, this so it's a breach of the listing rules, but um, because Metro Bank is obviously a, a regulated bank, it's it, it, um, the individuals involved in facilitating the, the the listing rule breach were senior management function holders. So, yeah. so so, so it's so it gets to their conduct uh, as, as 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 individuals. You you are right, the the FCA would not if this was not a regulated entity. They wouldn't be able to take action against individuals in the in the way they have been here. Um, so, uh, lucky lucky them in this case. Unfortunately, um, the the other two fines we've seen are a couple of AML fines actually for, for Gowtree Trust Bank and Al Bank. Putting um, out you know, uh, uh, getting into the detail on this podcast, at least people people can look them up. But it's um, it's it, it, it's it's failures in aml controls which is a, an area that's that's been quite prolific from a in terms of generating other final notices and fines um where you know the organizations in question have not have not have not um have not been rigorous enough and not taken action when they should have done to to improve their controls um so i don't know whether that's the Christmas rush of fines, the early New Year rush of fines and things are going to quieten down. I, 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 if, I, if I was going to place a bit on it, I don't think that it is necessarily going to quieten down. It feels like we've been spending quite a lot of time on this podcast talking about fines for for a few months now. So, um, yeah, uh, w- w- watch this space. We we, we we probably won't be retiring the let's look at the fines segment of the podcast anytime soon, I don't think. But we will be retiring this particular podcast because I think we're we're out of time. Uh, we will be back next month to uh, look at the news. Um, I'd like to thank everyone that's joined us. Um, I'd like to direct anyone that's interested to take a look at Grant Thornton's uh, uh, website in order for other uh, news releases and pieces of analysis on financial services regulation. I'd like to thank Ben for joining me. Hopefully it hasn't been such a traumatic uh, experience that he won't come back.
1: Um, Well, not so far. We'll we'll see what the feedback's like when we release this. Excellent, Um, excellent. If if anyone doesn't like it, email (laughs) david.mori.
0: Thank you, Ben, that's enough. So um, we will uh, wish everybody uh, a a good continuing January and we look forward to speaking to you again in February. Thank you. Bye-bye.